It's time we honor the biggest lie ever told, that if we made money as a business owner or hit a certain dollar amount, our problems would suddenly go away, right? My name is Cheryl Dorsey. I'm a data journalist, a tech founder, and a longtime entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and have done what feels like all the things. Yet I still wonder on a daily basis, am I doing this right? As entrepreneurs, we provide more time than we have, risk more money than most, and sell or are sold to more than we would like to admit. It's my mission through this show to give you a space to honor the powerful builder and CEO in you, even when sometimes it feels like no one should have left you in charge. Incredible work doesn't come without painful lessons. Welcome to I think I'm doing this right. Welcome back to another episode of I think I'm doing this right. Today, my special guest is a lifestyle influencer and entrepreneur who is unapologetically in her desire to create a life that includes both business and family. That's definitely something I have struggled with being able to create that sense of balance. And I'm sure that many of you who are creating or building something, whether it's the first time or the 50th time, finding that middle ground of family and business is probably one of the hardest things that you are trying to endeavor here. (laughs) She's passionate about helping other influencers create content and handle business and has created the Boss Fluence community to do just that. I love this name, Boss Fluence. (laughs) She's the mother to three beautiful children and has a platform that celebrates being a parent and a professional. I am happy to welcome Maddie James to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm actually fangirling a lot. You can't tell in my body language because I'm trying to be a professional. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I followed you for years. And I love the brightness, the cheerfulness of your work and the authenticity of your work. But tell me how you became what is like before, before even becoming a content creator Mm -hmm. was a thing, you were doing blogging yeah. and like this whole idea of of, of sharing lifestyle tips. Right. How did that how did that become a thing for you? You know, I always wanted to be a magazine editor. So growing mm. up, I was always in my mom's magazine. So I was in Essence and In Style and yeah. Family Circle. Like I was in all those magazines. So I really saw myself becoming a magazine editor. Okay. And then, of course, you know, blogging became a thing. And I was actually living in New York City at the time. I think it was like 2006. Wow. And look, aging myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it was 2006. And I was like, I had left school, which my West African parents, especially my father, wasn't too excited about. I can only imagine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to New York to be a pop star. And so I did like the making the band auditions and the American Idol, all of the things. Oh my gosh. And it, you know, obviously it didn't work out, but I think, well, it did work out, but not in that way. Yeah. And one day a friend of mine sent me an email and it was a link to a blog. And I started reading it. And as somebody who was always into magazines, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like better because you get it all the time. Like you get it daily, you get it instantly. There's links, there's pictures. And I couldn't believe it. And so I really just became engulfed in this thing. And I was like, well, what if I did this in my own way? What if I just started showing people like the new shirt I got from H&M? And what if I like showed them like, 
you know, we lived in our first home. And so my, you know, it was very, you know, modest and I was figuring things out, but I was like, what if I show them how to do like $10 flowers from the grocery store? I was just so cheerful and I was so genuinely excited about it. And so I kind of just went into it like that. And like for the first like three years, I think it was like my mom and two girls I went to high school with who read my blog. (laughs) You're right. You're like... And I'm sure they were so proud of you. They were so proud. <laughs> like, yes. They were so proud. I mean, this one girl from high school that I wasn't close with in high school has been so kind to me for probably like the last 12 years. She's always been so supportive. And that's always meant so much to me. Like, I'm not jaded by that at all. Yeah. Like, I know I've been doing this for a while now. But like, the fact that people take time out of their day to consume something that I created will always mean so much to me. Mm. And I'm really, it's something that I'm really excited about because I also so get to merge it with my family. You know, my husband yeah. now works full time with me. He's the COO of the company. And so for us to just be able to go downstairs in our basement and, you know, go in our studio and film something for YouTube or do something for mm-hmm. the website is, I mean, it's really like God's literal like fingerprints all over that. I love that. I also love that you were auditioning for Making the Band because <laughs> Making the Band at some point, like in my teenageness, was like a whole thing. It was the thing. It I don't. I don't the think thing. the kids of today understand that. Understand. Like making the band was like the apprentice. He made of them walk to juniors. He right. Made them walk to juniors. He yeah, walked. They, they walked to juniors. I mean, they don't understand the struggle at all. But I will tell you though, I love the story of you. Like, yes, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to go live my dreams. And that's the only reason why I went to college in New York City because mm. I thought I was going to be on Broadway as a tap dancer. Yes. And so I'm like, yes, yeah, like up. yes, like 2005. Like, yep, I'm going to New York City. Oh. Gosh. And I'm gonna tap dance on Broadway, and like that was oh my, my gosh, thing. The best. So tell me about tell me about your 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 artistry and like music aspirations, and when you decided that okay, maybe this is not mm. the fully realized dream for me particularly, mm-hmm. but there are like 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 I imagine at that age you're kind of like all right, yeah. Now I have to find out what my next thing is, right? Right. So talk to me about that like process for you. It's so funny that I just I I never thought of myself not being in music probably mm. until about that 23 24 it probably finally hit me where it's like actually I think I love writing more mm. um growing up I did I started ballet I think at like three or four right and I danced all throughout high school I did cheerleading um I did piano I did violin so I was always around music and also forget just like, making the band you were the band <laughs> <laughs> we're the second I was the you're band ready. you're ready I was the band. I loved singing, Um, you know, whether it was in church or singing like my favorite Destiny's Child song with the radio. I just always loved it. Mm -hmm. And I just really, I always knew that I was going to be a star and I just always connected it with music. But once I got introduced to the blogging world, I was like, well, I can be a star in this capacity. Mm -hmm. And I said that one time on a live. I was like, I think for me, it's always about doing work that just inspires and that is excellent. Because I was like, if I worked at Target. I would be a star at Target. You know what I mean? So it's not even necessarily about having millions of followers. It's just about standing out because the work is exceptional. And so that was always what I wanted to do. But yeah, music was something that my parents always had me in. I mean, I have the most... To me now, they're just like gems of pictures of like in the tutus, like for my recital. I like love them and I can't wait for my daughters to like have that experience as well. But yeah, it just was something that I always wanted to do. And I still love music so much, but I'm like, okay, I kind of, and like sometimes I'll sing around like people who never heard me sing. They're like, wait a minute. And I'm like, 
Yeah, it's a whole nother part of my life, but it's fine. Let's right. just focus on the blogging and influencer yeah. stuff. But yeah, I loved it. But I also love that it was one of those things that it was an escape. Like it was a way for me to focus my energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I was not athletic. I just was not. Just please yeah. don't ever. I have a family full of athletes and I'm like. Yeah, I'm married know. into a family full of athletes. Like I have an uncle-in-law who's in the the NFL, won like a Super Bowl wow. and stuff like that. Okay. And I was Super like, athletes, yeah, right. I was like the way that is not my side of the family. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, take me to the Nutcracker. Like. No, like I, I take the girls every Christmas. Like, I love well, of that. Of course, we had a little break now because of, you know, with COVID and everything like that. But I just, I love it. I just want to, ex- like, expose them to so much, whether it's sports or music or arts. I just hope that, you know, I give them enough of a kind of buffet for them to select what matters to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I also read somewhere that you were also Miss Liberia yeah. in 2009. Yep. And so I just, I, first of all, I just find you to be extremely interesting. Like, I mean, yes, your entrepreneur journey is like very impressive, but you've had all of these different life experiences that I can mm-hmm. imagine help to build like just your energy, your presence, that sense of excellence, as you mentioned. So talk to us about it, technically beauty pageantry. Yeah, is yeah. that okay? Yeah. So yeah, Miss Liberia 2009. Like, yeah. So first of all, have always loved pageants, like watched all of them growing up, Miss USA, Miss America, all of the things. And I will say the thing that my parents got right is that they always encouraged me that I could do anything as long as I was willing to work at it. They, oh, there was anything I said, oh my gosh, I want to do this. They'd be like, you right. could totally do it. Just You just have to do the work, right? right and so right. that would make me kind of pause as a child or even a teenager or even as an adult in a lot of cases where I was like, okay, is this work mm-hmm. that I'm willing to do to get that result? Right. And pageantry happened to be that. I did two pageants in my life. The first one, I was 16. It was the Miss Black Teenage Pageant in uh, Pittsburgh where uh, I grew up in a town called Beaver, Pennsylvania. So it was okay. like it was like 25, 30 miles outside of Pittsburgh. And um, I didn't win, but I won Miss Congeniality. So, mm. and that was really important to me. I just loved I that. I believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I was so excited. Like I, I, I printed out, I think it was a like 120 girls. I printed out all of these like little like card templates and I hand wrote in each of them. And my dad, my dad was just like staring at me one day. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I want to write cards to each person because I want to just say like how much this meant to me that I got to meet them. And he just was kind of astonished. And now as a parent, I kind of get like like the sense of pride he must have had. Right. But I, I think that that certainly contributed. But that's just the kind of person I am. I love handwritten cards and making people feel special. And then the second one I did was Miss Liberia USA in two. 2009 and I'm laughing because no one thought I was going to win except for my wow. husband. My parents thought I was too American or in the Liberian community we say queer. They were just like, I don't know, you might be a little too queer. Is that to like win this. The, is that like the equivalent of like gringo? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. And yeah. so they were just like, because I don't I don't cook any Liberian food. My mom lives down the street. She cooks it and then she drops it off. Because Which I'm is the spoiled. best kind of I'm cooking. Like, it's the best. That's it's the best the kind best. of cooking. The one that you actually don't have to I cook. don't have to. Yeah. It's the yeah. best kind of cooking. And then <laughs> um, you know, I was born here, but because both of my parents were born in Liberia. I still qualified, you know. And so they were just like, oh, you don't have an accent. You don't cook. You don't da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, girl, that don't have nothing to do with this. No. Have, and I genuinely love my yeah. country. I genuinely love my people. I love being Liberian. The Liberian culture absolutely has contributed to the person I am and even the success that I have. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the confidence I went in with. I mean, 
I had to win the state pageant first. So technically I've done three pageants. So the first one when I was a teenager, but I won Miss Liberia, Georgia, and then I represented Georgia in the national pageant. And I remember the Georgia pageant, mm. no one thought I was gonna win. Cause I pretty much was, it was like down to me and the girl who won first runner up, who just was like, if there was such thing as a Liberian Barbie, she was it. She is perfect. Wow. <laughs> like I, like wow. to this day, I, I cannot, I cannot tell you a time where I remember being around a more beautiful woman. She mm. just was flawless. But I just, I was like, even as beautiful as she is, I'm still going to, I'm still going to win. that Because I, I got in that pageant to do that one thing. And yeah. I, I remember telling Chris that, my husband, I was like, I'm only doing this pageant because I'm going to win. Like, I'm not going mm. for an experience. If I make friends, awesome. You know, I'm always down for No, friends. but I'm here to win. Like I'm here for one thing and one thing only. <laughs> and I had to do a speech on my platform. And I believe mm -hmm. my platform is getting back to my roots and really just talking about how I stay connected to being Liberian. And I talked about my relationship with my parents, my grandmother, and, you know, the food I love, the snacks I loved. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day before the pageant, I was so proud of the speech. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill it. And I read it to my husband. He was like, great, now go memorize it. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he was like, go and memorize So wait, it. so you were intention to actually read it? I was, yeah, I was gonna like, you know, I was gonna have it on the, cause we, you had the little uh, podium, you were gonna read that. And he was like, great. He was like, that'll have nothing to do with winning. Right. Go and memorize that. Mm. And I'm so thankful that I had that kind of encouragement and accountability right. because it was like, yo, like if, if we're gonna win, then mm -hmm. let's do things that winners do. And so I went and did that. And I, I do think that helped really kind of seal the deal for me and then at the national pageant the final question which I always think win pageants mm -hmm. the final question was if you could change one thing about Liberia what would you change and why and you know mo I was the second person to answer most people talk about like education women and children all important things but because Liberia is such a war-stricken country I mm -hmm. talked about confidence I said if I could change the confidence of the people in Liberia and really encourage them to be more confident about who they are. This whole, everything about this country changed. Education, how we treat women and children, just the overall infrastructure. And I think that that also helped seal the deal. So wow. yeah, I think it definitely shook some people up in the best way. And I love that I was underestimated. I, I love always proving people wrong. It's my favorite thing. That's incredible. So you win, you get like, the clout in the street cred and you're like yeah i proved this to everyone <laughs> and i can only imagine like the confidence went through the roof oh, yeah. in general yeah now how now now what happened after like what happens after you win a pageant well it was such a pivotal season in my life because chris and i were engaged we weren't married yet six okay. weeks later we got married gotcha. we bought okay. our first home so so much was happening and I was like, so I was really confident. I was like, boom, you know, more people know who I am and stuff like that. I should start a blog. And so I just ended a partnership with Brown Foreman, who are the makers of Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, let me just try this blogging thing. Cause I'd seen people now start to do it full time. And I was like mm -hmm. really excited. Womp womp, it was a flop. Those first two years I was married, my husband was really, God bless him, because I know he was like, you're not making any money. Please go get a job. Please get a job. Please, please bring in some income. Yeah, we didn't have any children yet. So um, it was, yeah, it just was so much harder. I think just like a lot of people do, I assume that because it was on the internet, 
that it wouldn't be that hard and that I'm likable. So people will like me and then it'll just happen. And it's right. like, actually, none of that matters. A rude awakening. Because you're like, wait, because my sister and my mom have yeah, been reading exactly. my blog. But so yeah. of course you guys are going to read it too. Right. And right. yeah, it was like, no, girl, you need to learn SEO, get these pictures together, maybe do some video. So I ended up getting a job um, as a, I was actually a showroom manager for a home decor company for about almost four years before mm. I ended up doing it at the full-time level. Wow. And uh, it was the best thing that happened to me. It, I needed that rude awakening, a personality like mine. It was like, girl, this is not what you thought it was. It's just not. This is real work. And so, and mm. I think also in that space too, at that time, it was probably, gosh, such a, I mean, you could probably count on your two hands how many like major black bloggers who were doing it at that right. level. And most of them were celebrity bloggers. So they were, there wasn't even like lifestyle bloggers that looked like me that were getting the opportunities mm -hmm. that so many of like the full-time um, influencers and bloggers at that time were getting. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I still loved it. I was like, okay, I suck, but I'm willing to get better. I'm going to go that. get this job and yeah. I'll be back. And I'll be back. <laughs> were, now, were you still blogging and building out your brand while you were working full-time? Yeah, I looked at my job as pretty much like an, an, invest, an investor. Like my job, my employer was literally Investing funding your my, business. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I looked at it as. And what was the I intention to turn it into a business? 1,000%. What was like your plan? Like what was your revenue strategy at that time? Well, in the beginning, none. I was right. just hoping, I was like, someone will like me and pay me. Right. And so, <laughs> and then I think right when I got my full-time job, American Express, actually an agency who was representing American Express reached out to me and they were representing, I think the campaign was for their prepaid debit card. And so oh. you could like load up the card and go on vacation or whatever. And so they were going to give me the card, which had $250 on it and I could shop and show how I could use it. And I went to like H&M and just like splurged or whatnot. And then... They paid me $250, which I thought was so cool because no one had paid me anything before. Right, right. And then gave um, me two tickets to the Earth, Wind & Fire concert. That's and very I, specific, it, but that sounds yeah, it amazing. Was, it was so good. I, I, it was, what a win. I, I, and I remember it specifically because it was massive. It's like a core memory of mine because I couldn't believe that somebody would give me that because of my little blog. Right. Yeah, so it was really cool. So anyway, so uh, so I was like, okay, maybe I can rinse and repeat this. Like, So how do mm -hmm. I get agency's attention or PR attention. So I started like slowly but surely like asking questions whenever I would get an opportunity here and there. And I, I started the blog in 2010 and it really wasn't until like 2013 that people actually started paying me money that I could like pay my mortgage with. So it was wow. about three years. But I think one of the pivotal moments for me was in 2012, mm -hmm. I did this competition called Full-Time Fabulous with Sunglass Hut, mm -hmm. and I was a top 10 finalist. And the winner was going to get $100,000, uh, you know, income from them, a $1,200 monthly, I think, uh, like allowance for them to shop with. And nice. they were going to get like a brand new apartment at the W downtown in New York. They would get to live there for a year. Oh it was gosh. like American Idol for bloggers. Right. It was the coolest thing. And I went and I was like, I gotta win this I made top 10 but I learned so much and this was also the first time I dealt with like negative like and like because there was more eyes you know mm -hmm. for the first few times you know I was just like the 
the like four to 500 people who would see me every month, you know, from my blog. But this was the first time thousands of people saw me and I dealt with like, you know, just trolls and people not being so nice. But I, I was actually surprised. I had thicker skin than I thought and I just kind Alrighty. of brushed it off and I kept it going. Um, and then that following year, things really changed for me. And how did, how did that change or what, what was that change? So I think the change just, I, I got my first five figure uh, uh, partnership, which I, again, I couldn't, I thought in my mind, I had told myself that I would not make that kind of money until I had millions of followers. And I was mm. like, the last thing y'all should have told me is that I can get this right. kind of money. I don't even need right. it. I'm, right. like, hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> so it, it just changed again my confidence in another yeah. way. And again, just learned so much behind the scenes, talked to other creators, saw how they operated. Um, and it was interesting to me because in so many of those situations, I was always either the token black blogger or I was like one of two. And to me, I was like, I don't like that feeling because mm -mm. I grew up that way. And I just I don't like that feeling. And I was like, I don't want women who look like me who want to do this to think that's the only way they can win is if they're like the the anomaly. Right. And so I think it was after that, because that was 2013, I started doing my master classes because mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, if I teach it, most people who will show up will look like me and I can give them confidence that, yo, you can do it. If I can do it, you can absolutely right. do it. And so that's how huh. that uh, stream of income started happening. Yeah. But like in the beginning, it was like, okay, I'll do brand partnerships and I'll teach classes. Hey folks, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're getting all the gems and all the tools from the lessons here. I just wanted to make sure I took the time to tell you about my new book, Upper Hand, The Future of Work for the Rest of Us. You can get it wherever books are sold. In it, I dive into the roadmaps of helping you, your loved ones, students, mentees, communities really understand and define strategies for understanding the language of innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's ahead. It's built with pages of exercises, lists of free or low-cost education tools and certifications, and a full 10-page list of what jobs will define the future, the salaries of those jobs, and prerequisites. If you've ever felt overwhelmed about what you need to get started in the tech industry or simply need a bit of guidance on how to create opportunities for yourself, pick up Upper Hand today. And talk to me about the classes, like specifically how you designed the classes and, and what were some of the things that you were giving to, again, you know, you mentioned like black bloggers, you know, I, I imagine from all walks of life, yep. you know, coming to learn from you and your journey, like what were you giving to them to help them on their journey so that they weren't just like the token anomaly, right. you know, black girl in a sea of opportunities that were predominantly given to folks that do not look like right, you. Right, right. I In the beginning, I, I, I was giving every, I was like pouring out my soul. Yeah. And I, what I realized, I was like, well, one, it's not fair to me or them to do that because I was like, you you want them to actually be able to have takeaways. Mm -hmm. But the first class I did, um, what did I call it? It was like, I called it full-time formula mm -hmm. because I had just done full-time fabulous a couple of years ago and I was like, in 2013, I got fired from my good job and mm. I, I, I very thankfully was now in the position where I, from brand partnership, I was making what I had made at my nine to five. So I was wow. really excited So you about had that. replaced your income. I had replaced my income. Mm -hmm. It actually was probably a little bit more by then. 
And so I was like, oh my gosh, like if I can do this, I can like, I can certainly tell people like, hey, you could do this too. And it, again, you don't have to make millions of dollars. Like I'm like, I'm doing this off of 50K a year. Like, and right. I'm, you know, thankfully I'm like, I'm in a good position. And so I created this uh, like feed. It was like a, I think it was like, is it, it, it's what's now YouTube live back then. I don't think it was called that, but I just like created a secret page on my website. And then I just created like a little web sales page at the time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tell them what I'm going to teach them. It'll be 90 minutes long and it'll be $97. And the thing about brand partnerships that a lot of people don't realize is that they're, they're on payment terms. So you usually get paid in that 30. You don't get paid right away. You don't get paid right away. So I was like, it's not even, they shouldn't even call it a partnership. They could, they should call it like you do this work and then you wait for the check. We'll, we'll get to you when we can. (laughs) And I'm like, right. Okay. So I had just done a partnership, I think it was like for like maybe $4,000. And I was like, you know, I was like really needing that because I was like bills were coming up. And I was like, well, if I teach a class and maybe I can get 30 to 40 people, I can help make sure like bills were covered for, you know, mortgage and different Mm -hmm. things like that. I was thinking, I was like, oh, 40 people will get in there. It'll be no problem. 113 people showed Whoa. up and I was like, okay, so this is a thing. Talk about <laughs> all the bills got paid. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. All the bills got paid. So oh yeah, gosh. that was, it was such an eye opener, but what I realized, and even still now, they're still so very, I don't, I, and I hope this comes out right. They're still very limited like influencer education curriculum out there Mm -hmm. that's of like high quality and getting people results and especially for the black creators Mm. and it's something that's still so important to me it's almost something that i look at as like it's like my way to give back because i'm like if again if people can see and understand and learn what i did and help them it's just it's just something that really means so much to me yeah and we've been able to do it in different ways but i did live master classes for in that capacity i did that for gosh like almost three years straight like wow. every other month because i was like well one the money was great because you know i was getting it directly from the consumer but then it was also really great because it was like Now I started noticing slowly but surely and not solely because of me, but I was like, I was seeing black creators get more opportunities. And that was encouraging because I was like, look, the white creators or white adjacent creators that I like, they're cool, but I would love to see girls that look like me. Hey folks, my new podcast is not the only place to get tips and gems and updates from me. You can also go to my website at ShereleDorsey.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter, where I share thoughtful essays on productivity, innovation, business, as well as new projects I'm working on. I'd love to have you share this podcast and give me a shout on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever you're being social these days. And if you're enjoying the content thus far, don't forget to leave your girl a review. Okay, now back to the show. It's interesting as well because you were really one of the early pioneers to bring this kind of consciousness into this this blogging era, right? And now that we look at like all of these other platforms that exist, still some of the same issues persist, right? When we look at the disparity in income between yep. white creators and black creators and visibility and brand partnerships and all of these other things that it sounds like in, you know, 20, 20 what is it, 2008 to 2013, yep. like you're starting to educate people about around like, hey, no, here's maybe how you actually negotiate your brand partnerships. Yep. Here's what you should be charging. Yep. And it sounds like we've come full circle. Yep. As even though the, the platforms have changed, 
the realities, especially for black creators have not. Yeah. And that's what is so important to me, Sherelle, because I'm like, what I realize now, especially as we're getting ready to launch later this year, is that I don't teach content. Mm -hmm. I'm like, y'all are all cooler, younger, more creative <laughs> than I am. Y'all don't need that. I teach marketing and sales. Yeah. You need to know how to market yourself. And then you Some need to market. know how to leverage that. Right. 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 And so what I realized, I was like, oh, you're not getting the money you want because you're not asking for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then not only not asking for it, let's go deeper. I want you to be clear on why you're taxing this brand. Yeah. And why you can tax this brand with a fifth size of an audience than your white um, competitor or, you know, like white uh, creator has, because it's like nobody on that team of the brand is black. You right. need to be asking for your coin. You want to get to these black women. You don't have not, you don't even have a tan person on your team. So I'm going to have to tax you for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's been really encouraging last year. My program now is like much smaller. And we only launch once or twice a year. And so we usually accept 25 people in Pitch Please, which is my signature program. And we teach mm. you how to pitch brands. And out of 25, 12 of them had their first six figure year. Wow, that's incredible. And I was like, oh, no, we need to do this all the time. That's like, because I was like, yeah. And it's so exciting because, and I love telling their stories because I'm like, this isn't about me because I, I you don't have to be in my niche. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a mom. You don't have to live in Atlanta. And that's what I get excited about. I'm like, this just works as long as you do the work. Yeah. And so it's been really exciting. So we're really excited to launch again this year. Yeah. yeah. I love how central your family is as part of the core of your brand. And I wanted to have this conversation with you particularly because particularly as women like who who build things mm -hmm. and women who are high achievers and, you know, top of the class yeah. or always getting the accolades, always winning the trophies. Yep. A lot of times finding that balance, particularly within relationship mm -hmm. and it, it's hard to play like those kind of multi-tier roles. Mm -hmm. Right. How mm -hmm. do you how do you be successful in your career? but also be successful within your relationship and then be successful as a mom. Right. And I'm sure that it has not been an easy road at all, but there's something about the way that you present it. It mm. seems very naturally curated around like, this is the lifestyle that I have worked towards. Mm -hmm. I'm going to raise happy, healthy children. I'm gonna have a great relationship or what have you. But maybe talk to me about how you as an entrepreneur are creating a sense of balance or at least like creating the, the life, the love, the the relationship, the parenting, right. you know, environment that that you know you you set out to to have. Yeah, it's such an intentional thing mm -hmm. that I, I I had to get. And I always tell people, I'm like, it's not deep, it's just deliberate. I promise. Mm -hmm. And one after I, we had our first baby, um, who is almost eight, which is so wild to say <laughs> out loud. Um, that was in 2014. In 2016, Christopher and I got separated. And wow. it's something that I'm usually really transparent about because I'm like, yeah, we seem happy and healthy now. Right. But I was like, it was not always that way. We did not know how to navigate that, right? Because yeah. first of all, he's the first person I've ever dated whose parents were together. So both mm. of our parents were married the same year. My parents in June, his parents in August. And so this year they celebrate 42 years of marriage. Wow. So we do That's have incredible. these wonderful examples. However, it's completely different. They didn't have to deal with social media. You know, neither one of them was a full-time entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. And the world is just completely different. 
And so we just did, I mean, and for me personally, because it's important for me to take personal accountability, I just was not clear on prioritizing my family. Right, because I was so excited. The, the 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 master classes were doing so well. The courses were doing so well. The partnerships were coming, but right. it was like, but I was putting the most important thing on the back burner. And here's the thing: my business is extremely important to me. It's just that my family is more important to me. And before it was out of order. And when things yeah. are out of order, they don't work. Mm-hmm. It's just real cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I I just my my new my my first book comes out, you know, very soon. And in the the nice. book is about the book is called Everyday Magic. And it's yeah. really just to me, that's really why my life works the way it works. Cause yeah. it's like if I focus on making everyday magic, not making everyday perfect, yeah. not making everyday seamless. Some days I'm an incredible wife, amazing mom, not so great entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Some days I kill it at being an entrepreneur, killed it at being a yeah. mom. It was like, did I kiss my husband? today and you know like some days I have those moments where I have to kind of catch myself Mm. and it's just about giving yourself permission to grow yeah giving yourself permission to give yourself grace and so you know like as soon as we're done with this I'm headed to school because Mesa has a science fair you know what I mean so it was like okay boom let me have flats like I know I need to look good for the you know the interview but we need to have this and then date nights later on tonight so it's like you just have to do the best you can yeah but that doesn't require you being everything. And that's yeah. what the book was about. Like, I think for a little bit, I was like, oh, I should write a book about being an, an influencer and how to, you know, close these deals. But I was like, maybe I'll get there. But to me, having an everyday life that you don't want to escape yeah. is way more important to me. And to me, contributes to the kind of businesswoman that I am. Yeah. And what I realized is not only is it about prioritizing, but getting to the root of what actually matters to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Having fun with my kids and not feeling like I need to escape them all the time, you know, is something that's important Mm -hmm. to me. So it's like, well, what does that look like for me? What does that look like for them? You know, I, (laughs) it was Mother's Day not too long ago and, um, we had dinner on Mother's Day and my husband asked everyone, all the kids, he was like, well, what's, what is your favorite thing about mommy? And my oldest mm. goes, she's fun and kind. And that's mm. why I love being. And I, I get emotional even thinking about it now. And I was like, that matters than any professional accolade that you will ever give me. She's fun and kind. Yeah, she's fun and kind. I'm like, what goals to have, you know? She she didn't say she's perfect. She didn't say she's good at cooking. She didn't say that she's always on time, you know? And these are things that we beat ourselves up about as mothers, as wives, as friends, as daughters, as sisters. And it's like, but, you know, are you kind? Are you encouraging? Do you show up when when you're needed? And so for me, that has been the the biggest thing. And I, I just hope that the work that I do encourages everyone and gives them permission to create the life based on what matters to you, mm-hmm. not based off of what your parents did, your grandparents did. Yeah. You can be encouraged by those things, but it's up to you to shape the life that you want. And for me, I really do believe that my assignment in life is to encourage others to really find what matters to them every day. Like every, like that's the constant yeah. in life, right? We get up every day, you know, by the grace of God, we get up every single day. I don't want you to hate that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be hard some days, but I also feel like the, the, the point of me writing the book was like, here's the framework 
of navigating every day in a way that matters and the way that you enjoy. So mm-hmm. when those inevitably hard days show up, because they will, you can always remember what matters. That to me is so, so important. And I think right now we're in this season where everything is like get seven figures travel to dubai you know there are all these really cool amazing things i still haven't been know? to dubai i haven't been to dubai I mean, either so we're know? kind of behind we're <laughs> I'm a little behind. behind i'm okay <laughs> but you know but i really like my home not just because of like what it looks like or whatnot but i like like what it feels like yeah and when you ask our kids what we have at our house they'll tell you peace yeah that's incredible um i want to i want to go back to your separation. Yeah. And I think that's such a vulnerable thing to share. Yeah. Because in some instances, some people may feel like, well, I failed. Mm-hmm. And clearly something great happened because you got two more babies. We got two more babies. I mean, it's something. Yeah, it really it was some level of reconciliation. Spo- spoiler, it works out. We reconciled out and had end. two more children, like right. two years apart almost to the date. And yeah, you know what? So we, we went, it was like maybe two or three months long. And what we realized is, okay, we were like, okay, marriage takes work. And what we had to ask ourselves is, do we, are we willing to do the work more than we're willing to quit? Mm. And for me, he was worth doing the work for. And he had decided that about me as well. Um, Because it takes two to be in a relationship. So it wasn't solely up to me and it it wasn't solely up to him. And so what we decided was when we went to therapy and counseling, we got all the help, we read the books, we prayed together, we just like really kind of cleaved to each other. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't the easiest thing. Like reconciling was not the easiest thing because we had to rebuild. We had to rebuild. And I can imagine breaking down your own ego as well. Oh my gosh. We talk about the prioritization and that your priorities were out of order. And maybe talk to me about how you were able to reset your priorities because I can imagine you know, it was a habit. I mm-hmm. mean, also coming from someone who was a winner, is yeah. a winner, yeah. and thinking, yes, like I'm used to achieving. Mm-hmm. And now I'm having to reprioritize as I fit someone else into my life. Cause yep. I, that's what I feel like marriage is. I feel like <laughs> here I am, here you are. We have our own little world. And now like we have to create this now new world. Now we have world. to merge it together. We have to like create this like multiverse. <laughs> and I'm just like, ugh. You have to share a room with me? Like, like, what? "Mm, This is a lot. This is a lot. I don't know. I don't know about this one. I don't know. You know, it really was tough because you're right. It was like, I was so... You know, and I talk about this in the book. I'm like, you know, I was like, I'm a nice person and I go to church and I, you know, so, you know, there was like moments where I was like, this is supposed to be easy. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And it's like, Mm. girl, it still takes work. Yeah. Being kind is important, but it's not a substitute to doing the work. Right. And so... What I had to do was start, I had to start creating really clear boundaries between work and family. Yeah. Which is tough because you really want to succeed and stuff like that. Well, also, you, your husband is now your COO and you all are going to your basement to work, yeah. to shoot content. Now that has got to be excruciatingly challenging. Oh my gosh. To then yeah. like separate work so tough. and family life. <laughs> because if I get in an argument with you in the kitchen... And, and now we have to, have to go downstairs, downstairs and act like we cool in the meeting in front in of the, the team. In front of the team and the partners. What I say, <laughs> daily prayer. Daily prayer is the only way. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, to separate that mm-hmm. and not, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for me, what I've had to do individually to make sure I work collectively well mm-hmm. is that I have to create a hard stop every day. So I have to define today, I'm done at 430. 
Today is a busy day. I'm done at six. Today I have a, a podcast interview tonight. I have to be done at eight. But when I create that clear boundary and make sure that not only is he involved as my spouse, but even the kids know like mommy has to work late tonight, but tomorrow we're gonna have movie night and X, Y, and Z is gonna be great. So long as they feel like they are part of this journey and not they're, they're not this separate accessory, mm-hmm. that I think has changed everything, wow. you know? I think what's so important is that, I, I know that we, we talk about love and all of that and I love love. I'm, I'm somebody who will always, you know, stand by that. But I think more than anything, people need understanding And Mm -hmm. I think what's massively important in your family, whether it's just you and your spouse, you have children as well, you're a single parent and it's just you and your one child, is a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like you belong, there is a safety Mm. that comes, because that's what boundaries are. Boundaries are about safety, right? And so does my family feel safe with the kind of work I do? And it's like, well, they can only feel safe if there's a clear boundary drawn, right? So it's like, yeah, why, we can't hang out at 1 p.m. because mommy's usually working and stuff like that. But if I said I'm going to stop working at 4 and at 6 I'm still checking emails, that's a violation of a boundary, mm. which doesn't just have to do with me. This now is trickling into dinner time with the family. This right. is trickling into promises I've made that are now being broken. And so that doesn't make anybody feel safe when a, a promise is broken. Yeah. I know I don't like when a promise is broken to me, and I certainly don't ever want to be on the other side of that for the people I love the most. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what it was. I was like, okay. And I think the understanding after my my separation was like, how do I make my husband and my children feel safe without violating my safety? How can we all feel safe collectively together? And boundaries was the way to do that. How does that show up in business? Because, you know, as much as like people hate to say, you know, oh, like my my team is my family. Like, you know, obviously, like it's not your family. Yeah. Right? Because like you can like argue with your family. And like, you're fine, but like with your team, you're kind of they're like, oh, I'm looking for a new job, right, you know? Right, right, But like, how does that even translate for you, you know, on your team? I, and how many people do you currently yeah, have four. on your team? So four, so it's, okay. it's Chris, myself, and two other lovely ladies who are moms as well. And I think for us, we harp on two things. One, both professionally and professionally, my number one goal is a culture of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And anytime I'm not encouraging, it's not in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And I've missed the mark. And so, but what I'm now clear on is like, if it's not encouraging, I don't need to be doing it. Right. I don't need to be doing it. There's people who are funny. They can make, you know, jokes on current events and stuff like that. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. It's just not what I do. And then boundaries we had to have a really firm talk with my team member who's been with me the longest she was with me the day i got fired from my nine to five that's how long she's been with me and we were like i love that you love to work but if this job is making you burn out we're not doing it right Mm -hmm. you just have to stop Mm -hmm. you just have to stop and that is how i feel about anybody on my team i have to get sometimes i have to get my husband in check it's like yo i get it we want this to be good but to to what extent? To where now you're literally losing sleep? We can't do that, you know? Yeah. So it's like we, we honor boundaries. If boundaries are set, if you say that you're unavailable at this time, I'm not going to violate that boundary. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. It's like, all right, well, she don't work after um, 12 on Fridays. I'm going to have to hit her up on Monday. 
Yeah. It's real cut and dry. And also making sure that I'm not just giving you this speech and then still disrespecting your your, your boundaries. Like we really make sure we honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm and for a while there, it said it in my autoresponder. I was like, hey, here at the Maddie James Company, we are all parents. So we don't do anything after 5 p.m. on weekdays or on weekends or on holidays. So, and it's probably gonna take us about 48 hours to get back to you. We love you and we mean it. We love you and we mean, we it. mean I it. love it. You know? Love you and mean it. Uh, love you and mean it. So, but it was really important to me to make sure because we had some brand partners that would like text us at like 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. And like literally, I was like, this is not okay. No. I was like, this is not okay. Not even for me. I'm like, you're not about to be stressing my team out. And because the, the other thing too, as an influencer, that is important to me to make sure these brands know it's like, I'm grateful for the business. I love being a partner with you. I don't work for you. We are a partner. If this is the boundary, please respect it, you know? And that has been a big thing for me. And I think so many brand partners end up respecting it. Kind of, I think it's kind of shell shock at first, but yeah. I think a lot of times we're like, wow, I just, I have never seen somebody operate like this. And yeah. I'm like, this, this is a business. This is a company. Yeah. We work here. We work at the Maddie James company. You work there. We are partnering up and we are grateful yeah. for the business. But girl, like I said, it's going to be 72 hours before you get this deliverable. And do not text my phone. Please don't. <laughs> Please do not text my phone. Because the way your feelings are going to be hurt, because it's going to be crickets. Because I'm not even going to hit you back with a net, because I don't do that. I don't do nasty, right? I do encouragement. I encourage between the hours of 9 and 5, I encourage Monday through Friday. 9 to 5? <laughs> I'll see you now. 9 to 5 Eastern Standard Time. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. I, I love that. And it's also like... You know, talk about teaching people how to treat you. Mm. And that also happens in business as well. That if I am sending you emails at 10 o'clock at night, like, then I am violating a boundary yeah. versus like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and schedule this out for 9 a.m. Because sometimes I do want to work in the evenings. Yeah. You know, I just get a little bit of quiet, but let me at it's least like, yeah, the correspondence. I don't want you to think that I am as available <laughs> as you think I am. Even Please if don't. I am, I don't care if I'm just sitting watching like Selling Sunset or something. Like I'm not, I am not free. <laughs> this is my time to watch Selling Sunset. Okay, yes. don't bother me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so, so tell me about what you feel like you are getting right. Hmm. What am I getting right? I think what I am getting right is not giving up on myself, not giving up on myself. I think that, you know, just like the the average person, I can be really hard on myself. I might have a moment where I did have to raise my voice at my kid and then I think, oh my gosh, I'm a bad mom or, oh, I forgot to do this for hubs. He's going to think I'm a trash wife. You know, you get, you get in your <laughs> head, you be like, <laughs> I forgot to get him the Snickers bar he asked for. Now we're heading to divorce court. It's like, yeah, he, he got them papers. I know he got them I papers got tonight them papers. after dinner. And so, you know, you go through all these like motions just and just in, internally, right? Like no one has said anything to you. But I think the thing that I really love about myself is like, you know what? I'm still willing to try again. I'm, I'm willing to get better. And I think that is probably my superpower. I'm like willing to get better, you know, even increments at a time. I think in other instances, I'm like, I've been doing this for X amount of years. I should be this good already. And it's like a little bit of progress is still progress. Yeah. Baby yeah. steps are still steps. And so, yeah, even if I have to baby, baby step myself to the top, I am willing to do that. I think I'm mm. worth that effort, you know? That everyday magic. That everyday I magic. I love that. I can't wait to read the book. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, so really excited for the world to read it. Yes. And the the subtitle is The Joy of Not Being Everything and Still Being More Than Enough. Mm. And I hope that I, love that I hope I give people that permission by the time they read that book. 
Very encouraging. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing your story, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Yes. And now where can we find you? I mean, I know where to find you, <laughs> but where can, the, where can the world find you? Everyone can find me pretty much on every social media platform at the Maddie James. And that's M-A-T-T-I-E-J-A-M-E-S. And yeah. And check out the site, MaddieJames.com. Thank you. Thank, thank you again. You. I appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of I Think I'm Doing This Right. I hope this was your one hour to breathe, connect, relate, and realize you are not alone on one of the greatest self-development journeys there is to embark on, entrepreneurship. Make sure to share this with your other friends who are just trying to figure it out so more of us can have a safe space to learn as we grow. Until next week, remember, this journey is all about grit, grace, and gratitude. 